On today's episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast, we're talking about finding one's identity in Christ. Phil Blunt, the author of The Crappy Christian Life, joins us once again to talk about how he found true freedom and his identity in Christ after battling depression for over 20 years. Join us on this week's episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast. This is a Thriving in Ministry podcast brought to you by Daily Pastor. At Daily Pastor, we know that church leaders want to be better equipped for ministry. You need encouragement to not just survive, but thrive in the place where God has called you. I'm Kyle Willis, founder of Talent Hunt Church Services. Dace, founder of dailypastor.com, uh, is with us. And Phil Blunt, hey. uh, returning back from your glorious episode of The Crappy Christian Life. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, so uh, it's great to be here. I just, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, it's the first time I've ever finger quotes met Dace. Uh, not actually yes. met you in person. We're doing this remotely. But uh, I've appreciated Kyle getting to know you over the last year or so. And man, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that this book is finally finished after a long time figuring out how and when and why to tell my story, but I'm excited. Well, it's so cool. I love the title of your book. And Thank you. I think it says volumes in a very concise way. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be able to identify not with the content of that book, but also what we're going to be talking about today. So yeah, I feel great to have you on the show and can't wait to talk further about you know, what identity of Christ has done for you and your story. I know it's going to help a lot of pastors. Yeah, thanks very much. Glad to be here. And on that last episode, uh, we talked about kind of your journey of of being agnostic while still being involved in churches. And uh, so we do want to pick up that conversation again and and talk about identity. But before that, Dace, we always start with just an absurd question of the day. Uh, Phil and I last time talked about the worst smells he had ever smelled. <laughs> Which tied into the crappy Christian life. You know, we don't really have the necessarily the associates of the word crappy with smell until you bring it up, Kyle. And there you go. Thanks. <laughs> well, before I get with the question of the day, I am going to give a little bit of confession. Last night, I have a 10-year-old son. I love him dearly, but he took his shoes off in my truck. And I'll tell you, I don't know if it's the worst smell. I mean, how could a 10-year-old, he's only 10. I mean, he's not even a teenager, but I'm like, what is going on? I'm like concerned yeah. that uh, my truck will never be the same. And so we had to put his shoes back on. He may be 10, but there may be some ancient bacteria in the box of his. A- 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 ancient is a good word. It's amazing how that can happen so quickly in a, in a young boy's <laughs> life. They're very active, but this could be related to some of the worst smells. I've got a question, and the question is, what is the worst meal you've ever had? And <laughs> that could be because of the food, or it could have been because of the company. I don't know, you know, maybe uh, a blind date. I don't know. What's the worst meal you've ever had? Oh, do I go first? Absolutely. I go first. The worst meal I have ever had. Uh, makes me think of a line from Nacho Libre. That's one of my favorite movies. Uh, uh, one of my favorite movies, Nacho Libre. Yeah. Wow, that's tough. The worst meal I've ever had. I, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, I love food, so I I really love it when it's right, and I really hate it 
when it's wrong. I will say uh, I got a, and this is not the worst, but I ordered pizza from a place. I won't say where it is. And it's usually, they have the most amazing pizza. But uh, this time, uh, the dough was not cooked. There was no sauce. It was just, and I don't know. I don't know if that qualifies as worst a meal. Surely somebody's got a better answer than that. Well, I'm going to get you off the hook here because I do want to hear Kyle's response, but I'm going to take this a different direction. A few, actually, it's been about a year ago. There's a place that has all you can eat steak about 60 miles from where I live. And so a guy that works with me at the church and we got, we have a men's group. We got our men's group together. Hey, we're going to go to this restaurant and we are going to close this place down. Basically we, we got there. I ordered the, all you can eat sirloin steak and ate the first one. And it was pretty good. But every time you order another steak, it's like it went from grade A to grade B or C. It's like lower quality. I think it was like we were there on a Thursday night. So I think the second steak was Wednesday steak. And I will tell you, we got to the third steak and it was like boot leather. But of course, I'm a cheapskate. So I wanted to eat the whole thing. Right. You want to get your money's worth. I mean, I paid 30 bucks for this. And so I will tell you, I was not hungry for like 72 right. hours. I didn't realize it was one of the most terrible meals I'd ever had until like 24 hours later. But after the cramps and all that, you know, I'm like, yeah, I will never do that again. You know, I think I can answer this question now. It's, I, I don't know if it's the worst, but it was a horrible experience. <laughs> I was visiting a friend in Oklahoma City. This was years and years ago, but he had been hunting. And I, and I am not a game person. I have a real sensitivity to gamey meats and I just can't eat that stuff. But, you know, we were visiting and he was so excited to serve me this elk steak. Mm. You know, sometimes if you cook it right, venison or stuff like that can be not too gamey. I actually had bear once that was amazing. Uh, But this was elk and it was gamey. (laughs) <laughs> but it was horrible. That's got to be one of the worst eating experiences I've ever had, although it was greatly appreciated. And because I love the guy, I sat there and I went for it. He must have really sinned against that elk, that's all <laughs> I'm going to say, because elk typically is one of the better game meats. I'm just, that's all I'm going to say. Really? Yeah, it, it actually is, in my opinion. It's it's less game. So he must have committed some really <laughs> egregious sins. I mean, I'm just saying he killed the thing yeah. and left it out in the truck for like two days. There's something that happened there that was unholy is all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, that makes it even worse somehow. <laughs> Speaking of unholy, I will give my two cents here and just leave it at this. The worst meal anybody can ever have is Taco Bell. Oh, that's not fair. That's not, that is not true. That is not true, Kyle. Listen, on a scale of one to ten, I think Taco Bell's a one. And every time I go ah. there, it disappoints. <laughs> you sound like my wife. It doesn't even get to a one. You're not ordering the right thing. You got to go with the shredded chicken burrito. It's actually very good. You sound like my wife, and I'll just stop right there. (laughs) It is the worst. It's the bottom of the barrel. So this episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast is brought to you by the Yum Group, uh, sponsors of KFC, Taco Bell, and everybody else. One final comment on this, and I I kid you not, for whatever reason, I had a discipleship group meeting this morning. It meets 615, a group of men, and we started talking about there's a movie where the guy goes into the future, and every restaurant becomes Taco Bell. (laughs) 
<laughs> He's like, in the future, every restaurant will be Taco Bell. That'd be an interesting world. That is a dystopian nightmare for Kyle. <laughs> well, that'll, that'll get me on my weight loss plan. So um, how do I even make a transition from that? And so we are going to uh, transition here to, to a little bit more serious nature. And, and we want to talk about to pastors and church leaders about finding your identity in Christ. Before we do that, Dace, can you share with us the verse of the day? Certainly. It is Deuteronomy 31.8, a great passage of scripture that states, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Yeah, Dace, I like that verse, and it speaks to our hope and and encouragement that the Lord uh, is with us, that He has not forgotten about us. Yet, we know that a lot of pastors and church leaders deal with uh, various serious issues, uh, everything from you know, depression to bipolar to maybe just not feeling encouraged or wanted in their congregation. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about that before. Phil, I know that's part of your story. Yeah. For those who haven't listened to our, our previous podcast, can you share some of your story and uh, in, in really kind of walk us through that for you? Yeah, so, you know, I grew up as a Christian and, and as a young adult, I reached a point where, you know, I was just very unhappy uh, and I interpreted that unhappiness, you know, as evidence that God was not there, that God was not with me. You know, I didn't realize this at the time, my rubric for Christianity was, does it make me happy? Now, you know, I wouldn't have admitted that that was my, you know, my standard, but that was kind of what I judged my faith by. And I was very unhappy uh, in my life, and I judged Christianity as being the problem. And so I jettisoned all of my Christian faith uh, at about 22 years old. Although I was still involved in church and ministry, and I worked for a Christian company, and I sort of hid that from everyone, uh, but it was a very, very dark uh, couple of years. It took uh, a series of incredible, incredible divine appointments that uh, there is no other explanation than that verse that we just read, that God is with me, that God was, he never left me. He never forsook me, even when I shook my fist in his face for a couple of years daily. But God never let go. And he found me and he rescued me. He convinced me that he was real, first of all. Then he began to teach me the scripture over again. I really rebuilt my faith from zero, from ground zero. Phil, I've just got to ask you this. Was it difficult to work for Christian organizations? I mean, obviously, we know that's not how it it's God intends for us to operate. You know, was it difficult though? I mean, were people asking you, Hey, would you pray for us, Phil? And I mean, how did, how how did that go? I'm just curious. Well, yeah. And it's, it's really interesting that there were a lot of uh, situations. uh, In fact, as bizarre as this sounds, I actually, during that period was married to a, you know, my wife and I still, I still am married to this woman. She's wonderful. 36 years. So my wife's father was leading a mission trip from our college where he was a professor. And we actually went to New Zealand with uh, students to work with children in New Zealand. I went with my wife and toured all of the North Island of New Zealand and did 
Christian concerts as a Christian singer songwriter wow. while I didn't believe in God. <laughs> so you talk about stress and you talk about a whole lot of frustration. And that eventually drove me to finally decide to run away from my wife, my uh, job, my life. Uh, and I would have, but for that incredible series of divine appointments. Wow. And even on that trip, Phil, you've shared with me personally that uh, a lady came up to you afterwards, right? Yeah. Uh, can you tell part of that story? Yeah. So I, you know, I was doing this concert. I, I don't really remember very clearly what it was, but I do know that I, at some point, was almost like an out-of-body experience, that I am standing up before these people, and I'm introducing one of my songs. It was called Real Love, and it was it was a little bit about my struggle. So in some ways, it was cathartic because it was able, I was able to sort of express, you know, I really need God to reveal himself to me. That was kind of the the meaning of the song. But as I was introducing that song, I began to speak to unbelief. I began to speak to doubt in a very, very powerful and organized way, in a way that was not planned at all. But it was one of those things you knew the Holy Spirit. I know now the Holy Spirit was speaking through me to me and to, in particular, one woman, a young lady who came up to me afterward and said, I, I am an atheist. And I've never considered God to maybe be real until tonight. Wow. And I'm going to keep uh, coming back to this. It was like a singles group. She said, I'm going to keep coming back. I, looking back, it's such a testament to the fact that it's not about us. God can use us at our worst. We don't have to be in a great place in order for God to use us. But he never lets go of us. He doesn't like to leave us in that place, but uh, he still can use us. And Phil, as you're sharing that, uh, you know, obviously your identity uh, during that time frame was different than than what you say your identity is today. And since we're talking to pastors and church leaders about finding their identity in Christ, uh, what kind of helped pull you out of that? Um, where do you sit today with your identity and how that is found in Christ, in Christ alone? So, you know, starting with today, I mean, I have a totally different, uh, I stand in a completely different place than I did before. And the place that I stand in my faith, you know, I, I like to say most Christians end up falling on grace a lot when we're meant to stand in grace. And uh, it's okay to fall on grace, and I, I certainly have many times, but it is so much better to stand in grace. And so much of identity in Christ is that it's not about me, it is about Him. It's not I, but it's Christ. I fight to maintain and to, uh, to renew my mind, continually renew my mind to the truth that I am a son of God. That he has always, that he predestined me to sonship out of Ephesians 1. That this is who I am and who I've really always been in his mind. So I, I struggle to continually renew my mind. And I say struggle, it's not a negative thing. It's, it's this, this exciting uh, fight. But we have, you know, the world is sort of fighting against this identity. But that's not 
what the scripture says. The scripture says that we're sons. So that sonship is such a huge part of where my identity rests today. Back in those days, it was so much about me, my performance, how good was I doing? How close was I to God? Was I having my quiet time in the morning? Was I was I filling in all the blanks? Was I checking the boxes? And a big part of it had to do with how people responded to me. When I really discovered that I was having serious problems with depression, I was a Bible teacher at a Christian school. And you talk about massive ups and downs, uh, the way that kids are going to respond to you on a daily basis can be a roller coaster. And it was. It was a roller coaster emotionally sometimes, the way that things were going. You know, how's it going in your life? You know, I wish we would stop saying that to one another because it, it doesn't matter how it's going. But we tend to think that how it's going is the greatest reality. So in that time, uh, that really fed depression, that idea of depending on the circumstances and my feelings uh, really fed depression. Uh, identity in Christ has pulled me off of that stance where I was standing on this continually shifting sand of circumstances and feelings and has placed me on the solid ground of grace. The Bible says we stand in. And so, yeah, that's, that's a very simple way to look at what the difference is. Phil, man, it's been so awesome to hear how God's grace has been so transformative in your life. Let me ask a follow-up question. I know that you spoke about facing clinical depression. Have there been other things that you found it necessary through God's grace to maintain your life, to combat clinical depression? Well, that, man, that is an awesome question. I, I really appreciate you asking. And I, I kind of go into this in my book, and I have not been a really good example in a lot of ways uh, in regards to treating clinical depression. My dad was bipolar before we knew a lot about even that uh, that condition. So I had seen him struggle with that and seen him go through a lot of things. I know that a lot of what I have struggled with in my life has to do with just chemicals in my brain. I have studied and uh, learned about tendencies that people who struggle with depression have that we don't naturally recover from difficult situations. We don't naturally recover from stress. And so yeah. counseling is a huge part of that. I have had counseling and it's been extremely helpful to me. I have not done that enough. Uh, I should have done that more. I think my life would have been a lot easier had I admitted and gotten help a lot sooner. But I will say that even though I found, I actually sort of accidentally found freedom from depression in that I I started going to a church where uh, the pastor was talking a lot about identity in Christ, and I just realized that I didn't really see myself the way that the way that God saw me. I didn't see myself as having my identity in Christ, and so I began to meditate on those scriptures. I will say what it did is that it changed my way of thinking completely. It made me stop taking my emotions so seriously and so personally. Now, I know we need to take clinical depression seriously, and if you struggle with that, you need to get help. Your emotions are not who you are. You have 
some choices to make when you have certain feelings. And the scripture has really helped me to make those choices. I think the scripture has acted like a counselor for me so much and has acted like medication for me so much. I'm not against it, not against medication. I think you need to do it if, if you need to do it. I'm not against counseling. I'm so for counseling, but I think the scripture is the best foundation and the best medicine. We were designed to be sons of God. We were created, predestined to be sons of God. Our brains were created to know the love of God. Our brains were created to live as one with Christ. That's what we were created to be. Our brains will not work correctly unless we have our identity in Christ. That's why the gospel is for every person. It's for every person created by God for the purpose of walking with God, knowing God, having intimacy with God, and having our identity in Christ. He, he predestined us for adoption as sons, Ephesians 1 says. That's what we were created for. Well, Phil, I appreciate you sharing that, and part of my story has included both of those things. You know, I've been to counseling, shout out to Marty, yeah. uh, and I was on medication for a period of time, but really what is important to me is kind of what you said, which is what Scripture promises and ultimately how that should form my self-identity. Uh, part of what counseling helped me to realize was that I was trying to be everything to everybody, but then scripture said, behold, I'm doing a new work. Mm. So on days where I was feeling lonely or isolated or beat down, mm. uh, the scripture spoke to me differently. And so I think for me, those promises helped me to encourage yeah. uh, me along my journey. I appreciate you guys sharing these things. And it seems to me that challenges that pastors face can be physical, they can be spiritual, and they can be mental. And so I think that we have to keep our eye on all of those things. I think oftentimes we're looking for just that, take the pill and you're going to be good to go. And it's not quite that simple. I think life is more complicated. Our mental, physical, spiritual journeys is, are a lot more complicated than that. Yeah, I would agree. I think I'm I think I'm being clear that you must you must you must use the scripture. You must renew your mind to your identity in Christ. That's what we were designed for. Yeah. It does not mean that you don't need to take aspirin or antidepressants. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean you don't need to take care of your health. You know, it doesn't mean you don't need to exercise. It doesn't mean you don't need to go to a counselor to help you think correctly. Yeah. I was just going to say just a just a quick thought for those that maybe they're feeling a little bit run down. I think the first thing that I ask myself now when I'm going through a rough time or having just a difficulty concentrating, am I resting? Am I exercising? And am I eating right? And that is not the end of the story, but it probably is the beginning of the story. And the reason why I mentioned that is just because a lot of pastors, those areas are struggles. I've struggled with each one of those areas. I'm not saying that's the end of the story, but it certainly is a good place to begin. And if things don't improve, you definitely have got to take it uh, as far as you need to, to get the help you need. Hey, Phil, I want to get your feedback on one more thing. You know, maybe there are pastors listening who are struggling with pride or lack of self-worth, what would you tell them about how to find their true identity in Christ? Well, I, as I said, I started going, I became, became the worship leader at a church where the focus was really on identity in Christ. And the goal of the church was purpose. It was that, you know, you fulfill uh, your purpose in the kingdom when you know who you are. And so 
you know, he would read scriptures such as the big one that just blew me away was first Corinthians six seventeen. The pastor read it, your spirit and God's spirit became what? And then the whole congregation said one spirit. And I thought he was crazy. I had never heard that verse. I'd read it a hundred times. I was a teacher at a Christian high school. I had read first Corinthians six nineteen, which says you know, he that joins himself to a prostitute becomes one with her. But I didn't read the two verses, two verses before that said, he that joins himself to the Lord becomes one with him in spirit or becomes one spirit. I heard things like that. And I realized, I don't think I'm one spirit with God. I don't see myself as being that one with God himself. Well, I made a choice to begin to meditate on that scripture and on you know, things like I'm a new creation in Christ, just because I was hearing it so much and I was having these realizations that I didn't really get it. Through months and months of meditation, daily, nightly, about who I was in Christ, I began to realize that my depression had sort of left me. It went away. It's not about beating depression, but I will say that the way that I, that I found after the, that long period of meditating on the scriptures, that my the way I saw myself, the way that I experienced life, and it, really everything changed at a very, very basic level. And I really experienced what it means to renew your mind. The Ephesians 2, 22 through 24 is talking about putting off the old self and putting on the new self. It says that in order to do that, you need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And I would say that through meditation on Scripture, literally the spirit of my mind was changed. I had a total revolution in my way of thinking. I experienced that. And that is what I would say is the key. It is that the vast majority of us do not see ourselves the way God sees us. And it is our privilege and our responsibility to fix that because the scripture says that we're to present ourselves and renew our minds to the scripture, to what God says about us. Well, Phil, your book is in my Amazon cart right now, and I can't can't wait to continue this conversation in your book uh, because what you've been sharing, I think, is just going to be so transformative. It's spoken to a lot of the things that Man, God has led me through in the past few years on a different journey, but I just can't thank you enough for your transparency and your story that ultimately, man, Christ is the answer. Amen. So been wonderful. Just been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you guys having me. Well, Phil, I want to give another quick shout out. Uh, Maybe there are some youth pastors listening who want to listen uh, to the podcast you co-host with the youth pastor on staff with you. Uh, It's called Second Breakfast, correct? Second Breakfast with Lucas and Phil. Don't just look for Second Breakfast. You get a whole bunch of things about Lord of the Rings. Not that those are bad. (laughs) Second Breakfast with Lucas and Phil. Look for the pancakes. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast as we talked about finding your identity in Christ. Thanks again to Phil Blunt for joining us today and check out his new book, The Crappy Christian Life. You can find it on Amazon or Kindle. Pastors, church leaders, we want you to be encouraged to find your identity in Christ and in Christ alone. That's right. Thanks again, Phil and Kyle. Have a blessed day. Here's how Daily Pastor supports church leaders. 
First, register your email to get access to our latest content. Second, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media. Third, get the encouragement and tools you need. This is a thriving in ministry podcast brought to you by Daily Pastor.